Hey everyone, and welcome to Fred Fathoms. Uh, today, I want to fathom something that for many years now has largely been a defining part of my life, and that is anxiety. <clears throat> what I do on a daily basis to live with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So with the fear um, and certainty revolving around us right now with this coronavirus pandemic, I thought, you know, this would be a good time to cover this. As those of us who suffer from anxiety, uh, we have a hard enough time getting through the day without a global crisis going on. So uh, first, I'd like to talk about what anxiety is. Um, I think a lot of people, when they hear someone has trouble with anxiety, they think, oh, you know, that person worries a lot. They just worry too much. They shouldn't worry so much. Um, it's not it at all. Anxiety is a state of mind. It's not an emotion. Uh, it's a state of mind that is essentially the result of problems with the mind regulating its fight or flight response. And um, what this does is it results in a variety of um, symptoms, physical and mental, and it can be triggered by a variety of situations. So it's very aggravating uh, because it's so hard to pinpoint its exact causes and what symptoms are actually related to anxiety versus something else that might be going on. So, and, you know, depending on its severity, anxiety can result in a compounding effect that snowballs into the dreaded panic attack. If you've never suffered from one, you know, count your blessings. If you have, you know the hell I'm talking about. So when I first started suffering from anxiety, it manifested itself immediately with panic attacks. So I was having a racing heart, uh, sweaty palms, chest pain, feeling like I was going to pass out. Uh, even after multiple trips to the emergency room and visits to cardiologists that showed nothing was wrong, I was still convinced that uh, something was wrong with my heart. Um, I can't tell you how many times I thought I was going to pass out while having a panic attack and I'd have to leave the room, um, at a get together or, um, or, you know, or just leave any kind of social situation, um, or even sitting on the couch at home alone, uh, calling my wife thinking that, you know, something was really wrong and, you know, giving her a scare as well. Um, it really took me years to resolve this, um, mainly by finally realizing that it never happened, just never happened, never passed out. So it was never going to happen and forcing rational thinking to curb the panic attack from going out of control, um, was a hard skill to learn. And I'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, but currently my anxiety mainly manifests as brain fog, vertigo, and fatigue, which are tough to deal with, but the panic attacks are pretty rare now. So I've been pretty pleased with my, with my progress. And what I'd like to do today is go through all the things I do on a daily basis to control my anxiety. I'll start with uh, tangible things and then discuss cognitive things. And a lot of this you have probably heard before um, because a lot of it is general health related, but I don't want to skip over anything in case you haven't heard it in hopes it will help you. So, and I also think, you know, hearing this from someone who has actually suffered through anxiety and panic attacks that it will make you more likely to try these things. And but at least that's my hope. So let's start in the morning. I'm woken each day by a sunrise alarm clock. These are nice because they, they simulate a sunrise. Um, they wake you more naturally, uh, more gradually versus being woken up all at once in a dark room by some kind of noise. Uh, you know, when you're woken by an alarm clock at, you know, before sunrise, you're getting woken immediately in a dark room. That's not how we evolved to be woken up. We evolved to be woken up by the sun and in a gradual state that kind of takes us out of that circadian rhythm, our sleep cycle, uh, more naturally. 
Um, so these are very handy because they, they do that. Um, and so if you're waking up uh, before sunrise, uh, this is a great tool to use. And most of us, I would say, probably do wake up before sunrise. So, you know, so I'm, I'm personally a light sleeper, so I don't need noise to wake up. Um, the light from the uh, alarm clock is enough to do it. But these do come with options to add natural noises like birds chirping in case you do need that noise to wake up as well. Uh, one thing I really like about these is the temptation to use the snooze button um, is much lower. And one tip I can give you is just don't ever hit the snooze button. It just isn't worth it. It screws up your sleep cycle, um, makes you feel more fatigued and brain fogged. And that just doesn't help anxiety. So once I wake up, um, what I do is I exercise and I choose to do this in the morning for a few reasons. First, it wakes you up uh, much more so than a cup of coffee ever will. Uh, second, it's a lot harder to skip a workout when you get them done first thing in the morning. Uh, and third, I have kids at home, small kids. And um, when I get home from work, I only have a few short hours to spend with them before it's time for them to go to bed. So I just can't use that time for exercise. Um, and, you know, before I get into um, other things, I just can't stress the importance of exercise and its effect on anxiety. If you're not exercising, please start. Um, it's uh, getting in shape was hands down the single most impactful thing to reduce my anxiety. Um, you know, healthy mind, healthy body. They say that it is, tr it's true. It's not a cliche saying it is, it's true. Um, you know, exercise lowers your resting heart rate, your blood pressure, which is great for people with anxiety. Um, I personally obsessed over both of those things. When I first started suffering from anxiety, I was always checking my pulse, checking my blood pressure. And of course they were high because I was anxious and seeing that they were high made me more anxious, which made them more high. And it's just this terrible cycle. So once I started exercising though, I started seeing those, those, uh, those metrics, uh, trend in the positive direction. And that, that itself helped my anxiety. Just seeing that, Hey, my resting heart rate's lower. My blood pressure is going down, you know, Hey, I'm getting healthier. You know, maybe there's not something wrong with me. Just makes you feel good in general. So my workouts are what I would consider um, intermediate, consisting of resistance, you know, weight training, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and conditioning, um, which is cardio training, Tuesdays and Thursdays, pretty basic workout regimen. Um, sometime maybe I'll do an episode more specific to my personal workout regimen sometime. Um, I'm just not the expert there. Uh, like I said, I'm more intermediate. But for now, the best piece of advice I can give you is to start slow if you're a beginner, but be consistent. Um, consistency is the most important thing with exercise, even if it's 15 minutes a day. Like if you plan on an hour workout, but then you just don't have time, just do 15 minutes or 10 minutes. Um, have a couple, you know, workouts in your back pocket that are, you know, quick that you can do at home. Um, you know, body weight exercises, um, or even if it's just going for a walk, um, as long as you're just making time for that every day uh, and you make it a habit, You'll build on it and you'll advance from there and it'll have more and more of a positive impact on your overall health and your anxiety levels. So, but if you want um, some really good fitness advice, um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, recommend someone here and that's a podcast called mind pump. There's a, so their slogan is stay authentic. Um, and that's what they are. you know, they answer real questions from real people and they have a lot of knowledge in the industry. They were personal trainers for many years. Um, and, uh, you know, now they have a lot of free, um, programs online 
that you can access. And they also have, um, uh, you know, paid programs um, for beginners all the way through advanced. And right now I think they've got a um, workout from home program um, that uh, is, is uh, on sale because of the, the uh, Corona virus pandemic. So I recommend checking them out. Again, they're called Mind Pump. So talking about fitness, this is a good segue into the next part of my regimen, and that's diet. Um, I don't count calories. I don't cut out carbs um, or do intermittent fasting. Um, I just eat real food. And by real food, I mean whole, unprocessed food. Um, typical advice here is, you know, if it has a label and you can't understand the ingredients, just don't eat it. Eating whole food is, you know, the best way to ensure you're getting proper macro, um, you know, macronutrients. Those are protein, fat, and carbs and micronutrients, which are things like iron and vitamin B. So it's a great way to help reduce anxiety is uh, just having nourishment. Um, And it's as to overall health. So, you know, kind of take you through what my personal meals look like. So breakfast is my after workout. And I don't know about you guys. Who has time in the morning for like a real breakfast? Um, I just don't. I don't know about you, but I don't. So what I do is I, I just drink a high quality whey protein shake. Um, and you know, cause I think getting protein in the morning is important. It's, uh, assists with your post, um, workout recovery and protein is also an extremely important macronutrient. Um, and unless you're eating a lot of meat, it's easy to find yourself being deficient in protein. So, and then I also just eat a banana. Uh, bananas are great for your blood pressure. They make you feel full and they are lower on the glycemic index than other fruits. Um, and it's a great natural energy source. Um, so whey protein and, and uh, a banana, that's, that's it for breakfast. Um, now for lunch and dinner, I kind of do the same thing. I have a meat, um, a vegetable and a starchy carb. Um, sounds boring, but it really isn't. It isn't. Um, there's a lot of combinations out there to use. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can flavor things. And, um, I recommend when with flavorings, you know, kind of stick to spices, healthy oils, but be easy on the oil. Um, and hot sauces are a great way to flavor things. Um, you know, stay away from the sweeter, um, the sweeter sweeteners like barbecue sauce, um, and, uh, ketchup and that kind of stuff. Uh, mustards are good. Uh, most mustards are pretty good. Um, but again, if you just, if you, if you spice it up a bit, um, change out the vegetables and the meat, um, and the starchy carbs, uh, regularly, um, you know, it adds a lot of variety and it, it doesn't get boring. And you feel good after eating it. You know, you don't feel your blood sugar spike up after eating, um, you know, a, a high carb dinner or, uh, you know, high trans fat, you know, dinner. Um, you know, my recommendation though is just um, do essentially a third of your plate as meat, um, a third veggies and a third starchy carbs, but just don't pile up on the carbs. Uh, they shouldn't be hovering over the meat and vegetables. It's easy to do that. Um, you know, you've got, you know, what looks like a third of, of your plate, but you've got, you know, the rice or the mashed potatoes, um, you know, you know, just staggering over the meat and vegetables and you're just going to take in a lot of unnecessary, um, calories doing that. And it can spike your, spike your blood sugar and make you feel kind of crappy. And to me, I just really avoid foods that spike my blood sugar because, um, that does lead to anxiety, um, for me. So I just avoid it. Now, for an evening snack, um, I like to do um, around half a cup of Greek yogurt or cottage cheese, um, a full cup of berries, and one ounce of mixed nuts. 
um, which kind of takes me to another recommendation, which is if you don't have it, um, which um, are measuring cups and a food scale, um, buy, buy, buy some. So it's makes it a lot easier when you're having a snack to measure it out. That way you just make sure you're not going nuts with the, with the portions and you're consuming, you know, another, you know, four or 500 calories that you didn't think you were consuming. If you actually have, you know, measuring cups sitting around or a food scale, you know, they're, they're cheap. You can get them online. Um, and they're small, you know, you can throw them in the drawer and they're just there to use. Um, this way you can really control, you know, your portions when doing these snacks. Um, and you just don't get out of control. And again, I don't measure calories, and I don't portion all of my meals, but for snacks, I think it is important um, that you do portion them out because it's really easy to get away with, uh, with you know, just snacking down on something. And then you wonder why, you know, you know, you, you, know full, you feel really full before you're going to bed or you're not losing weight if you're trying to lose weight. It's probably probably because you're snacking too much and you're just not measuring that out. So, so again, yeah, half a cup of, you know, Greek yogurt, a cottage cheese, full cup of berries, one ounce of mixed nuts. It's a really nutrient dense snack. Um, it's low on the glycemic index, so it's not going to raise your blood sugars and mess with your sleep. Um, and, um, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just enough to kind of tide you over, but not make you, doesn't make me feel too full, you know? So I like it a lot. Now let's keep it real. When it comes to diet, um, nothing is a hundred percent. So life's too short to, to, you know, eat whole food all the time. It's just, you know, so that's not what I'm recommending here is to just eat whole food hundred percent of the time and never, never have any uh, food that you really enjoy, uh, for other reasons. So, you know, I like to use this, a wagon analogy, you know, the wagon analogy where, you know, people say, Oh, you're on the wagon, you're off the wagon. So with diet, you know, if you're eating in a caloric deficit and you're depriving carbs, um, and you're eating nothing at all for indulgence, um, then your, your wagon is speeding at a hundred miles an hour. And as soon as you try and even take a tiny step off that wagon, you're not only going to fall off the wagon, you're going to go tumbling down the road. You're going to break your leg. And meanwhile, the wagon is still speeding away from you and there's no way in hell you're going to catch up. So the way I look at it, you know, there's 21 meals in a week. And if 19 of those are whole food, then I'm 90% consistent. I'm doing good. That leaves two meals a week where I can indulge. Doesn't mean I go off the rails, eat a box of cookies, um, you know, but I'll have a couple slices of pizza or maybe some wings and fries. Um, whatever I want, as long as I don't cross over from indulgence into gluttony. And what I mean by that is, is uh, portions, you know, if you're going to eat, you know, something for indulgence, just, you know, don't eat half a pizza. Don't eat, you know, the large order of fries, you know, just watch the portions a bit. And it's, uh, you know, then you can have your little indulgence and you don't feel like crap, it, um, like crap. Cause I don't know about you, but you know, after I overeat, you know, and get gluttonous, my heart races, my whole body pulses. I just feel terrible. So, uh, just keep the portions reasonable. And, you know, when it comes to indulgence, I'm pretty inclusive in what I eat. Um, but one thing I pretty much avoid altogether is sugar in highly processed foods like Twinkies or factory made cookies, Doritos, just junk, junk food. You know, I just, they make me feel like crap, even in small doses. So, um, in small portions. So if you haven't tried it, I definitely recommend a zero sugar diet, zero junk food diet for 30 days. See how that makes you feel see the impact it has on your overall anxiety levels. I, gu I guarantee you will see huge effects just from doing that. Just from cutting out sugar and cutting out junk food, you will feel a lot better and your anxiety will be much more, um, much more easier to control. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's touch on supplements. Um, you know, there's a lot of anti-anxiety 
over-the-counter supplements out there. I think I've tried them all, uh, and, and spoiler alert, none have worked. Um, I think they're gimmicky. They prey on people's um, desperation to cure their own anxiety. Um, and uh, there's a lot of empty promises in a bottle that just aren't going to work. And even, even prescription medications that you get from your doctor, those aren't going to cure your anxiety either. Um, overall health is the best way to combat anxiety. And, um, so what, what I do when I do supplement is I supplement with things that are going to be primarily folks focused on improving my health. So I supplement with vitamin D. Um, this is because it's very easy to be vitamin D deficient if you don't get much sunlight. Um, and living in the Midwest, I mean, half the year, it's pretty hard to get out in the sun. So, you know, vitamin D is very important micronutrient that helps your immune system um, and deficiencies have been linked to increased risk of cancer and anxiety. So it just makes sense, you know, for me to supplement with this because um, it really is a necessary nutrient and it's hard to get from food. Um, you know, just be sure to get vitamin D3, the D3. Um, I take 2000 IUs a day, which is around 250% of your daily need. Um, unless you're extremely deficient, you shouldn't need more than that. I don't see the benefit in most multivitamins. Um, you know, you might be thinking to yourself right now, why don't I just take a multivitamin um, and get everything? Um, I just don't recommend that. All it does is make you pee yellow, um, being overloaded by super high levels of nutrients. Because if you're eating a healthy, balanced diet, then you're not going to be nutrient deficient um, and you don't need a multivitamin. Um, but vitamin D is hard to get from food. So if you do have a healthy balanced diet, vitamin D is really the only micronutrient you probably need to worry about. So, so vitamin D, very important. Um, so moving on, I take, uh, omega three fish oil as well. Fish oil is shown to improve brain health. Uh, so to me, this one is a no brainer. <laughs> Seriously, if there is science behind its benefits of, uh, you know, brain health, there is, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, science behind this that, um, omega-3 fish oil improves brain health, um, uh, brain cognition. Um, so to me, it's just common sense. You know, if, if something is proven to improve, uh, brain cognition, uh, then, um, it's going to have a good impact on mental health. So it's worth it, but it also improves heart health and getting enough omega-3, um, it's difficult to get from food as well, unless you're eating uh, fatty fish on a regular basis. So, um, so I definitely recommend taking a good high quality omega-3, uh, fish oil. Um, the final thing I supplement with, and this is a little more, this is definitely more, um, uh, iffy, you know, more, um, you know, it's not, there is some science, but the science, the, the jury is still out on the science. Um, and that's CBD, um, full spectrum CBD oil. Um, if you don't know what CBD is, um, it's oil that's made from the leaves, seeds, flowers, and stalks of the, uh, of the, the hemp plant is what they produce as a calming effect. So it won't get you high. Um, it won't make you feel like you popped a Xanax. Um, my experience with it is that it helps me get back to normal. Um, you know, if I'm feeling, um, you know, more stressed than usual or more anxious than usual, it just helps me get back to normal. Uh, be sure to get the full spectrum as this contains multiple cannabinoids, um, which studies show having the most benefit. Um, so full spectrum CBD oil is the way to go. Um, I take one milliliter in the morning and one milliliter in the evening, typically 
um, each containing uh, 50 milligrams per milliliter. Um, I recommend a company called Lazarus Naturals. They're one of the oldest manufacturers of CBD products, and they, they offer a really good discount to veterans, which I benefit from, uh, people on long-term disability, and they also offer it to low-income households. So that's, you know, I think that's great, and I really respect them and appreciate that they do that. Um, so again, Lazarus Naturals. So I've talked about a lot of stuff I do to control anxiety. Now let's talk about some things I avoid to control anxiety. First is I avoid alcohol. Keyword here is avoid. Um, it doesn't mean I don't ever drink, um, although I am working on quitting altogether. Um, alcohol has been a real challenge for me because, um, you know, anxiety becomes a lot worse in social situations. So downing some drinks knocks that out. The fundamental problem with this is if you're drinking to cover up anxiety, you're not only abusing alcohol, you're uh, putting a dirty bandage on an open wound. Um, the reason I say dirty bandage is, yeah, it'll stop the bleeding for a short time, but it'll cause an infection that ultimately makes the wound worse. When you drink to cover up anxiety, you know, not only are you drinking for the wrong reason, um, but you're very likely over drinking, which leads to hangovers. And let me tell you, the absolute worst panic attacks I've ever had come from hangovers. Hangovers, they also lead to eating garbage food, which messes up your health. Um, I've also noticed my resting heart rate just skyrockets when I, when I, uh, when I, uh, drink, um, and, uh, and just, you know, just makes me more anxious seeing that my resting heart rate goes up. And it's kind of one thing about these Fitbits that we wear now. It's like, Oh God, I can see my heart resting heart rate all the time, but if it's going down, it makes me feel better. But when I'm hungover after I drink for like that, an, a week after that, my resting heart rate just goes through the roof and just makes me more anxious. So you know, just a lot of bad side effects to drinking when you're suffering from anxiety. Um, you know, simply just, it is, isn't worth it. Um, it just isn't worth it. So if you're drinking to cover up anxiety, you know, the next time you go to take a drink, stop and ask yourself, you know, is this the time I decide to take a break from alcohol, deal with my anxiety in a healthy way, and then I'll be a lot less likely to drink, to deal with anxiety, and I can have a healthy relationship with alcohol after I find other ways to deal with my anxiety. So the second thing I avoid is caffeine and stimulants in general. Uh, stimulants to me are like microdosing cocaine. Um, yeah, you don't have to hide in the stall of a bathroom to drink a cup of coffee and you won't find yourself on an episode of live PD because you took a pre-workout, but, uh, the major elements of hard drugs are still there. It creates a high, a come down, a dependence and a withdrawal. So specific to anxiety, it just doesn't take rocket scientists to figure out that stimulants are not a good idea. The hard part is that with the anxiety comes fatigue. With fatigue comes the need for a stimulant. It's a cash 22. So this is why I recommend working out in the morning. Even a light workout will go a long way to waking you up. And, uh, and then when I get to work, um, after working out, I do sip on decaf coffee. Uh, and you'd be surprised how the smell and taste of coffee, even with no caffeine, still has a perk-me-up effect to it. Uh, another reason I recommend avoiding caffeine is its effect on sleep, which um, leads me to my next set of tips, and that's how to get a good night's sleep. Sleep is probably the most important way to re reduce anxiety um, for the average person. And I know I'm someone who has struggled with insomnia for years. I still do. 
Um, but the things I've done have reduced the struggle significantly. Um, first, cut out electronics at least an hour before bed, turn down the lights. A lot of more studies have shown this, um, especially in our day and age where we're just in front of screens all day long. Um, and then when we go home, we're in front of screens. So just try and cut those out at least an hour before bed. Um, our circadian rhythm reacts to unnatural light, so it'll mess up your sleep. And if you're someone who just has to watch TV before bed, at least make it something that isn't crazy like Game of Thrones or Black Mirror, you know, make it something light, um, you know, something, something, I don't know, comical or just easygoing, something in the background, um, not some crazy drama where people are getting killed left and right. And, you know, just then you wonder why you can't go to sleep because you're all wired up after watching something like that. So next thing I do is I stretch before bed. So I like to lie in bed and start by stretching my toes out as far as I can. Um, as far out as I can, just stretch them out, then flexing my legs, I, my back, my arms. What I'm doing is I'm just trying to release all the tension in my muscles before trying to go to sleep. And that does help a lot. Uh, next thing is to black out your room. If you can see your hand in front of your face, it's too bright. Um, so very important to black out your room. Um, next is white noise. I have an app called this, uh, it's called white noise, deep sleep sounds. Um, the app is a night sky and a crescent moon. If you search it on, um, on the app store, uh, it's free and it has an awesome fan sound, you know, sound of a fan, um, that really drowns out noise in the house. Um, uh, I don't like white noises, um, that are like the sound of waves or night sounds like that include crickets or wind ruffling leaves, um, intermittent sounds like that. They kind of just uh, disturb me from trying to sleep. So a constant, um, unchanging, uh, sound is what really works for me. Um, keep your room, you know, comfortable temperature, obviously invest in a good mattress and pillow. Those are all smart things to do as well. The next thing I going to recommend, uh, probably isn't too popular and it only applies to those of you really struggling with sleep and you sleep with another person and that's try sleeping in a separate bed. If you have sleep problems in any way related to your sleep partner, they are not a good sleep partner. Doesn't mean your relationship's over. Doesn't mean you'll grow apart. Um, if anything, it should help your relationship if you're getting better sleep because um, you're not going to be as you know, agitated. You're going to be a lot happier uh, during the day. So I just recommend it. Sleep is very important. Um, worrying about not being normal or messing up your relationship, it just isn't worth getting bad sleep. If your partner cares about you, they'll understand. So my last tip on sleep is learn to look forward to sleep. Don't dread it. Going to bed should be something to look forward to. And falling asleep is as natural of a body function as going to the bathroom. And once you kind of realize that about sleep, um, that it is a very natural body function um, and accept that, it does help. It helps to kind of put you in the right state of mind that, hey, this shouldn't be so difficult. Um, easier said than done, but, uh, but just know falling asleep is a very natural body function. Um, and it shouldn't be that hard to fall asleep. So what happens is, is we just do so many things to kill our ability to fall asleep. Um, so we end up dreading it. Um, so doing the things I've, I've recommended in this episode should help you tremendously because those will, um, those will help you fall asleep more naturally and wake up more naturally. So now let's go on to the cognitive stuff with anxiety. And, you know, this can be a heart larder, a lot harder to explain, um, first, just let me say something. Um, and if you have kids in the room, maybe earmuff time is uh, fuck anxiety. Just fuck it. You have to get mad sometimes. You realize that a healthy dose of anger is needed to fight any opponent, mental or otherwise. 
You have to look at it and say, fuck you. I'm not letting you get away with the shit anymore. I'm going to do everything I can to fix this starting now. Your days are fucking numbered. Okay. The earmuffs can come off. Once you've reached this point, you know, you're heading in the right direction and you're heading in there and you're in their head is in the right space to try some cognitive approaches to anxiety, otherwise known as CBT, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Now I'm not an expert on CBT, but I can tell you what's worked for me. And the number one thing that has worked is being mindful. So this means analyzing the situation you're in and the feelings you're having and rationalizing them if, and see if they're justified. And if they're not, and you truly absorb that fact, it will help you get back to normal. So if you're, you know, sitting in a room and you have an un- unwilling or an uncontrollable desire to leave the room because you think you're going to faint or you think something terrible is going to happen, look around and look at other people. Do they seem the same thing? It's like, it's like when you're on an airplane and you're scared, it's going to crash. I always say, look at the flight attendant. If they look calm and unworried, then you shouldn't be worried either. And the same goes for when you're in crowds of people. Do they look like they're having a good time? Do they look like they're, you know, about to, um, uh, you know, crawl out of their own skin because they're so uncomfortable. They don't. Um, so if the situation, if the situation was um, uh, something that called for such reaction, you would see everybody else having the same reaction. Um, so that's something that, you know, to do when you're in public is just look around and look at what other people are doing and think, why can't I do that? There's no reason I shouldn't be able to be enjoying this time right now. So just be mindful, just bring yourself into the moment and rationalize what's going on around you and then uh, analyze your current mental state and then ask yourself, is this mental state um, uh, justified by my current surroundings? And and then go from there. Um, so I hope that helps. The next cognitive thing I do uh, to deal with is physical symptoms of anxiety, which again for me are vertigo, fatigue, and brain fog. And what I do to deal with these uh, may sound counterproductive, um, but this goes back to the F anxiety mentality. And that's, I try to make the symptoms worse with my mind. You heard that right. I try and make them worse. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have vertigo sitting here in my, in my desk. Let's try and make this some knock me off the chair vertigo. And what you'll find is trying to avoid these symptoms and worrying about them, being scared of them is what the real problem is. If you embrace them and stop fearing them, their effects will be diminished. So in closing, a music recommendation is the song Anxiety by Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. The song absolutely captures what anxiety is like. Um, Please give it a listen. If you have topics you'd like me to discuss, please let me know. You can email me at fredfathoms at gmail.com. Follow me or DM me on Instagram at fredfathoms. If this podcast helped you, please leave a rating and subscribe so it can reach others who it may help as well. Take care.